Thanks, Daniel. Well, my name is Ron Cole. I'm one of the pastors here. And again, I'd like to welcome all of you here. A special word of welcome to any of you who are visiting with us. Uh, just know that we've been praying that you would experience God's presence during our time of worship together. About four weeks ago, we started, a, again, a new sermon series here. Uh, we've been talking about corporate worship, about when we meet with God together, about what happens during this time. Uh, I mean, we worship God on our own. We worship God in devotions, so on. But, but Christians have often had this pattern of gathering together for a time of communal worship, of corporate worship, of getting together and meeting with God. And one of the things we've said is that it's kind of a dialogue, right? That, that we really believe God comes here to be with us and that God speaks to us. And we respond and we speak to God and we encourage each other and so on. And so there's this back and forth going on. Daniel greeted us with God's word and, and, and we bring our needs before God. And so we're talking about what, what is this thing that we're doing here in corporate worship? And, and specifically the last several weeks, what we've been asking is what are some of the things that we say to God in worship? If, if, if we speak to God in worship, what are some of the things and how do we do those things? And we started off with saying we give praise to God. We say, God, you're awesome. You're fantastic. And then we said, God, we also say we're sorry. We confess our sins to God. Last week we talked about giving our needs to God, about asking God to be with those who are sick, the prayer that Daniel just offered and how all of us do that together, how we we bring those who have needs and how we ask God to to help us surrender to him and do that. And this morning we're going to finish off this part where we're talking about things that we say to God. Next week we'll talk about some of the things that God says to us. But we're going to finish this off and we're going to look at this, that we offer our lives to God. That we say to God, we will follow you. Take my life and let it be. I, you, you are everything. God, we want to obey you. And, and, and again, as you may, if you've been here with us, you know this, that, that because of this, we're trying to then say we're going to have the sermon early. And I kind of like this. And then at the end, if we go overtime, it's Steve's fault. Okay? So it's, it's his fault, not mine. Okay? But then we'll do this and we'll spend some time in prayer and song just really trying to say, God, we offer ourselves to you, all right? So again, this is something that is clearly called for throughout Scripture. Um, one psalm I want to mention about it, Psalm 119, verse 11, a familiar verse to some of us, but I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God, that's my commitment, God. I, I want to not sin. I want to obey you. I want to do what you want me to do. One of the places where we see this offering ourselves to God and, and making a commitment to obey God most clearly is in something that happened quite a bit in the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. Technically, we could call it a covenant renewal ceremony. It's basically saying, it's getting together with God and saying, God, again, we give you our lives. We listen to God speak and, and we give you our lives. Let me show you what really kind of the first official one, Exodus 24, verse 7. Moses has been up on Mount Sinai. He's gotten the Ten Commandments, okay? He's gotten God's word. He comes down, and, and, and he reads it. Then he, that is Moses, took the book of the covenant and read it to the people, and they responded, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. And, and, and so you have this picture of all these people gathered together there, and Moses reads this, and they say, all right, we are committed to it. We obey we will do whatever the God says. That's what we want to do. We want to follow God. Uh, about 65 years later, Moses is no longer the leader. Joshua is the leader. Joshua is in the promised land. The people are now entered into the land. And, and, and they're, they, they've conquered the nations. And they're going to live in peace. But before they all go home, after the battles, before they all go home, Joshua says, come here, friends. And he preaches. And he ends his sermon with these words. He says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you. 
then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Okay? Choose yourself. Whether your gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, make your choice. But as for me and my house, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And so the people heard this and they responded. Uh, there's some other stuff, but they responded in verse 24. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. All right, so again, we got that we will serve the Lord. Now, 750 years after this, <laughs> it's not the next time, but again, we see it again, 750 years later. It came by the name of Josiah. The king Josiah stood by the pillar, renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all of his heart, with all of his heart and all his, all his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Again, so Josiah has the book of God read, has the, the laws of God read, has the stories of God read. And Josiah says, I am committed to that. And then all the people, then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. Okay, So we got this thing happening that's pretty regular, that when God's people get together, there's often a time of just saying, okay, God, we will obey you. God, take my life and let it be. God, we give ourselves to follow you. Just one New Testament reference, Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So we offer ourselves to God, okay? That's what I want to think about with you, and and we do this in a number of ways. Again, two questions we're going to ask, the same ones we've been asking for the last three weeks, but but what are we doing when we offer ourselves to God? How do we understand this? How should we think about this? What, when, when, we, when we say, God, we give ourselves to you, what, what are we doing? How, are we, how should we think about that? And then we'll ask, how do we do that in a worship service? <laughs> okay? I mean, a lot of the action of this one is going to take place outside of this. But how do we offer ourselves to God in a worship service? So, first of all, what's happening? What's happening? How, how do we think about that? What are we doing when we offer ourselves to God? I've got five things. They're going to be fairly quick, but hopefully you'll be able to kind of pick up the ideas that I'm talking about. Don't worry about kind of making sure you get each one. But, but the first thing is, and this is absolutely essential, it, it, whenever we say, God, take my life and let it be, we are responding to God's love, not earning it. <laughs> Okay, we've got to keep that straight. This is one of the amazing uniquenesses of Christianity because basically in all the other world religions, what happens is obey God so that he will love you. Obey God so that he will take care of you. Obey God so he doesn't squash you. Obey God so that he'll take care of this or that or whatever it is. In Christianity, the story is flipped around. The story of Christianity is that God has said, you can't obey me. You are, you are lost, you're dead, so I will come and I will show you my love. And Jesus Christ died for us while we were still sinners, right? And, and, and so we are called to obey. Whenever we say, God, I want to take my life, it, it should never be done out of fear. It, it should never be done as a bargaining tool. Say, God, take my life and, and, and I'll give it to you if you promise to heal my mother. God, take my life if you promise to heal my marriage. God, t- do that. I'll give you this, and then you have to do that. That's not, no, God says flat out, I love you. And, and, and while you're still sinners, I died for you. And I gave my son for you. And we respond to that. Romans 12, let's go back to that. Again, Paul says, therefore, for 11 chapters, Paul has been saying you're saved by grace, 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 grace. God's love comes first. But therefore... I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, not in fear of God, not in trying to bargain with God, but 
Because God loves us so much. Because he's paid the price. Because he's wrapped us up in his arms. Because of that, I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. To offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That is your true and proper worship. We are always responding to God. And, 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 and so we have to be careful to remember that, all right? So we're responding to God. Second thing um, that I, I want to talk about here is that when we say, God, take my life and let it be, God, uh, we will obey you. We are, I think, I want to challenge you to think about it this way. We are committing to what is best for us. We are committing to what is best for us. What do I mean by that? I think that so often when we think of obedience, and it's because of our sinful nature, or it's because of the world around us, but we say, you know, think of uh, obedience as the right, but at best boring thing to do, right? I mean, let's, let's face it. If we think of sin on the one hand and virtue on the other hand, if I talk about that, this hand sounds a lot more fun. It's just the way it is. You, you don't go to Lynchburg, Virginia, the home of, you know, whatever, Jerry Falwell's university. You don't go there. You go to Vegas, right? You want a good time? You go to Vegas. You go to Sin City. You go to, and, and, and I think that happens so often that I say, God, I'll do this, but I'll do it because you love me, and I'll do it because it's the right thing to do. But when you offer yourself to God, what you've got to understand is God wants what's best for us. It's not always easiest. But God wants what's best for us. So to say, God, take my life. Take every part of me. God, whatever you want from me, take that from me. I, I'm not saying, oh, cause I, I, and I'll just give away all my fun. I, I often will ask high school students, I've shared this before. You know, if Jesus could come to you today, if Jesus would come to you today and say, I'll make you perfect so you never sin again, would you say, great? Or would you say, can you come back after college? And almost all of them say, do I give the true answer or the right answer? Right? But that's the way we kind of see it. Excuse me, God, I don't want to... St. Augustine was, uh, you know, one of the great saints of the church. I love this. He, he was becoming... Uh, he had become a Christian, but he was also quite a player, okay? Yes, they had players back then. And he had a date, and he said, Lord, make me holy, but not tonight. Because I got a date with Susie, baby. And I... I mean, honestly, that's what it was. And, and so we kind of... But, but friends... God is not a killjoy. God, God wants you to have deep joy. God wants you to have the best life. And so to say, God, I, I really believe that in this situation, choosing to tell the tr- truth is, is, gonna, is not going to just be boring. It's going to be the, the best life. I, I, I'll sleep better. I'll know this. Choosing to honor my vows is going to be a better life. We see this again throughout Scripture. Another one of those renewal ceremonies happens at the end of the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 30, 15 to 16. Again, Moses this time at the end of his life. See, I, Moses, set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live in increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. Moses is saying, friends, look, this is not just fun and boring. It's not the fun thing and the right thing. It's it's life and death. And friends, the reason God tells us not to do certain things is because they destroy us. It's because it's death. And, and so that act of saying, God, I surrender all. It's not, I don't do it for my own sake, but I do it recognizing that God knows me best. And what God wants for me is the best. Jesus himself, John 10, 10. He says, you know what, the thief. Satan promises you full life, but the thief comes only to kill and, and, and steal and destroy. I have come 
that my people might have life and have it to the full. And, 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 and so just, God, when, when we offer it all to God, I, I, I encourage you. Say, God, I'm such a fool. I keep wanting to do things my way, but I, I just, I want to experience what you want me to experience. I want the joy you want me to have. I want to experience that kind of life. And, and so I'm committing really to what is best for me. Obedience is not just the right thing to do. It's also the best thing to do. So we're responding to God's grace, right? Not earning it. Responding to God's love. We're committing to what is best. And, and then in doing this, uh, it's interesting. As Daniel's praying, I thought about how challenging this, this is. We're seeking to give all that we have and all that we are to God. We don't say, God, I'm going to give you 20%. God, I'm going to give you 10%. I'm going to give you 40%. No, what we say is, God, take my whole life, every breath that I take, Every moment I'm awake, right? These songs we sing, it's just, God, I want to give you everything. And that's what God invites us to give him. Uh, Jesus was once asked, in, in the Gospel of Mark, we hear this recorded. Jesus was once asked, what's the greatest commandment? And, and he responded this way. He said, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with what? All your heart. With all your soul. With all your mind, with all your strength, give God everything. Absolutely everything. God, here I am. Take it all. I surrender all, not part. And friends, that is so difficult to do. It's interesting to me that, that the first thing Jesus says here, right, is, is love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? That we give all of our hearts to God. God wants first our relationship. So often what we, when we think about offering ourselves to God, we say, well, what God wants is my actions. <laughs> and yes, it will lead to actions. But you know what God wants first? Is he wants your heart. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to find security in him. He wants to be in that relationship with you. He wants you to love him more than anything else. Because that's when we're at our best. That's when life starts to work, when we love God with all that we have and all that we are. And it starts with love. And and then we give all of our resources to God. We give God our time. And and, and again, we say, God, every moment I'm awake, every breath that I take comes from you. So God, I, I give it back to you. I give it back to you. Our time, our talents, everything I can do, God, comes from you. And our treasures, all the money, whatever we have, our stuff, God, it's all yours. Do with it as you please. Now, in some ways, it'd be easier if, if God would just kind of, if we could say, okay, God, I sign it over, you've got it. But, but Fred Craddock says that, that one of the things God often does to us, is he says, okay, you give it to me all, but, but he wants it a dollar at a time. <laughs> a dollar here, a five there, 20 minutes here, an hour there. That, that throughout our weeks, we're saying, God, this is how I'm giving myself to you. But we try to give all. We give our hearts, we give all that we have. And, and I think it's fascinating to notice what Jesus says in, in this. He doesn't stop, and I'll go back to it in a second. But Jesus makes it clear one of the ways, one of the best ways that we give to God is when we give to our neighbors. We love God by loving our neighbors. In some ways, I think this is part of God's honesty check. God wants to say, you want to know whether you're giving me your whole heart? How are you doing loving your neighbors? How are you doing caring for those around you? How are you doing caring for the least of these? How are you doing with that? Jesus, you know, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then he says the second commandment. But Jesus, we only asked for one. (laughs) Jesus, no, this one ties into that. If you do that, you will do this. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. 
love your neighbor as yourself. And I think, again, part of it is Jesus is saying, you want to know whether you're loving God? How are you doing loving your neighbors? And so we seek to give all of ourselves to God, all right? So responding to God's love, not earning it. We're committing to what is best for us. We're seeking to give all that we have to God. But having said that, the fourth one flows out of the third one. Part of what we have to do every time we do this is recognizing that we won't be able to do this completely. We won't be able to give our lives completely to God. We won't be able to give everything we have to God completely until Jesus comes back or until we die or whenever that is. And so it's interesting. We talk about this with a worship team every once in a while. That some of the songs we sing, in a sense, we're lying. I surrender all. I can't do that. <laughs> I'm still, I, yes, I am a new creation in Christ. But it's really hard to let go of everything. And, and, and so even as we say those words, we say, God, and help us where we fail. And God, forgive us when we don't. Again, please don't use that as an excuse. <laughs> I'm not saying that, that, okay, well, you know, you can't really. But just to recognize it and to say, God, you know, we come and, and, and we'd like to think we're making this amazing sacrifice. And we're doing our best. But God, even that, we're still pretty selfish. We're still curved in on ourselves. So God, forgive us for that and teach us how to do this. All right. So we recognize and, and we admit as we, as we sing these words, sometimes, again, you, 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 if you're honest, you're going to say, God, I know I can't do this, but help me to do it as best I can. Just as I am, God, take me. But take all of me. So we do it recognizing. One more, and this is one I'm going to take a couple more minutes on, I think. Um, it, it, it's one that I think is true and important, but it's also a little dangerous. Okay, so stick with me. Think with me through this one. Um, what, what I want to say here is, and, and here I'm thinking with all of these, we've been talking about, well, how do we do this in worship, right? I, I mean, we talked about confessing our sins. How do we do that? together because <laughs> your sins are not my sins my sins are not your sins how do we do that well what about with all, how do we offer ourselves together and i want to say this we do it recognizing that what god calls me to offer might be different than what he calls someone else to offer now we're all called to give all but what i want to suggest is that it might look different in your life than in my life that's why for example in sermons I think for the most part, when Daniel and I get done, we don't kind of get very specific about saying, therefore, you must go out and spend three days at the soup kitchen next week. What we often do is say, God calls us to love our neighbors. How's that going to work for you? What does that mean in your life? How does that look in your life? Let me give you an example, and I'm not trying to pick on half of you. Um, You might feel that way, but this was just the easiest example that I could think of to kind of make this clear, the challenge of this. And again, it's a real challenge in preaching because I want to get as specific as I can. But I also want to recognize I I don't know exactly how everything's going to look in your life. So uh, there's a passage in 1 Timothy 2 where Paul calls all Christian women to dress modestly. There's no question about it. All Christian women are called to dress modestly. Let's go to 1 Timothy 2, verse 8 first. It's going to be verse 9. But therefore, again, right? What's what's Paul saying? Therefore, he's just talked about how Jesus Christ died. He's just talked about how Jesus Christ was saved by grace, how much God loves us. Now he says, therefore, respond, right? Respond. Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray. I want them to be lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. And then the next verse. I also want 
the women, and this is God's word, I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propriety. You can say, well, Paul just say he wants it. (laughs) This is God's word, okay? Paul might have said want. It becomes a, there is, I I think, again, so the principle, the the truth, the, 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 what we have to do is all Christian women, I think, we have to recognize are called to dress modestly. Can we just all come to a quick definition on what that means? Can we all just agree exactly? I mean, that's the challenge, right? How, what does that look like? How, how, how do, I, do I, can I tell you exactly? I was thinking about that this week and, and, you know, saying, okay, so dress modestly. How have Christians answered that question? Well, some Christians have said, this is modesty. And know this, there are other Christians who would say that's immodest, that that's too much. You can see your hair. But I think most of us here today would agree this qualifies. This would qualify as modesty. What about this? What do you think? I, I think so. I think, more, you know, I mean, below the knee. But, you know, you see a little calf, you know. I'm not going to go too far, don't worry. But what about this? What about this? Again, neckline is fairly high. Shoulders are covered below the knee. But, you know, we start to get a little form-fitting. Starting to get a little more nervous. Some of us might say, I'm not sure that I want the praise singers dressed like that. I mean, what does it mean, right? I, I, I wish I could say to you, like I said, we're not going any further. I wish I could say to you that a Christian skirt is this far from the ground. <laughs> but I don't know exactly what it's going to look like for you. Now, dangerous. I said this is dangerous. Why? Because we can, you have to be careful not to use this as an excuse. So, so, you know, because, because I can't tell you specifically how this looks in your life doesn't mean, well, therefore, nobody can tell me anything, and however I do it is fine. It's all up to me. Uh, you can't tell me how. You see, it all changed, right? We have Amish, and, and that was, the Amish dress was all Christian dress for a time. You know, it's, and, and, and then we have, you know, I mean, so nobody can tell me anything. I get to do whatever I want, baloney. The fact is God still calls Every, and, and all Christian men, can we just recognize this would apply across the board? But to dress modestly, I mean, that's, that's a command in Scripture. And I, I may not be able to tell you, I may not be able to tell you how long a skirt needs to be, but I can tell you this, I got real questions. I, I, if you're wearing a thong on Holland State Park, I got real questions, I'm honest. Uh, you know, right? Seriously, think about it. God, you're still supposed to be a Christian when you go to the beach. And it doesn't mean we can't say, look, it's not a sin. For the youth group, Eric, wisely, Kirk, wisely, they have some standards. When they all go swimming to say, you know, I'm not going to say this is sinful or this is sinful, but I'm going to say this. We're going to agree to not wear that. (laughs) Do you see the problem? (laughs) I can tell you that you're called to dress modestly. That's thus saith the Lord. But sometimes you've got to struggle yourself. But don't use that as an excuse. I can tell you God calls you to love your neighbor. But I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know exactly how it's going to look for you in this political climate. I, I, I get a little nervous. I, 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 on the one hand, I feel like, no, I want to say more. On the other hand, I want to say, no, I, but just don't kid yourself. Right? Don't kid yourself. I'm talking to myself. Ron, don't kid yourself. Let's say, yeah, I, I just don't call to, I'm just not called to do it that way. Okay, then how am I doing it? 
And, and, and so you think about offering ourselves to God together. <laughs> Part of what we have to recognize is, is we say, you know what, I'm going to first worry about myself. I'm going to pray that we can all just be as honest as we can. Because I, I think it's true that we have to recognize that what God calls me to offer might not be the same as he calls everybody else to offer. All right? And so we can talk afterwards if you want. But I, I think that we have to recognize there's some of that we do on our own. But again, as in a community... We can also say, but there are some standards. We're not going to say this is the only Christian line, but we're going to say this is just going to be our line. Okay, that, that's a wise thing to do too. So those five things. Responding to God's love, not earning it. Committing to what is best for us. Seeking to give all that we have. Recognizing we won't be able to do that completely until Christ comes back. And then recognizing that we're all called to give all, but what that looks like in my life might be a little different than what it looks like in yours. So how do we do that? How do we do that? And specifically, how do we do that in a worship service? There are a number of places, several places I want to mention where we do that. One is during our offering. Now, we usually, often we do that before the sermon. We not, we're going to move that to after the sermon since I was going to talk about it, right? But, but we here at Hillside pass a plate, a bucket, not a plate actually, but a, a basket. Not a bucket, but a basket, right? And it goes down the aisles. And, and quite often, Steve or somebody will say that this is symbolic of giving our lives to God. And that's something we often sing a song uh, you know, it, today, it's, thank you, Jesus, a newer song. But, but you know, we, we, we say, God, you know, we give ourselves to you. This is symbolic of giving our entire lives. That's one of the places in the service where we do that. But um, many of us give electronically. I haven't put anything in the plate in a long time <laughs> because do it online. Or we give once a month. Get paid once a month, we give once a month. And what about our guests? We don't want them to feel a lot of pressure to, to be a part of this. And, and so how do we do this offering thing? How do we how do, we do that in such a way that, that it really is a genuine act of worship? Some churches don't pass the plate, okay? Some churches don't. Some churches uh, have members come to the front. <laughs> um, they, the, the, everybody comes out and comes to the front. You maybe have been at a church where they've done this. Some even dancing, Right? It's, it's the joy of giving. I'm, I'm bringing my offering to God. Now, I was thinking about this, and I thought, you know, the problem with me doing this is if I'm, if I'm dancing with a one, I'm dancing like this. If I'm dancing with a $100 bill, I'm like dancing like... Because I want you to know this is 100 I mean, some churches do that as a sign. They walk forward, and they come to the altar in front. It's a sign that they're giving their offering to God. Some churches do it that way. Some churches just have a box in the back. Some churches have, have kind of giving ATMs, kind of. How do we do that? One of the interesting things I learned, fun fact you can take home and talk about, um, did you know that passing an offering plate in church is really only about 150 years old? It's not one of those things that they did in the early church. <laughs> They didn't have an offering the way we have. It's, it's about 150 years old. In the early days of this country, um, in the early days of this country, all the churches, all the churches were paid for by the government, came out of tax money. Did you know that? Until 1833, Massachusetts was the last state to stop. But before that, you didn't take an offering because it came from the government. Isn't, yeah. It's after the Constitution, friends, separation of church and state. But the church, so it wasn't, churches didn't need to raise money for ministry before then, really. It was all provided. It all came out of taxes. So then all of a sudden they're scrambling going, dudes, we got to pay for this thing. 
I want to get paid because the state's not going to pay me anymore. So how are we going to do this? And it took a while, and probably the most common way was people would pass an offering plate. And that became that. Part of the reason I mention that is to say that this is not a long Christian tradition. It's only 150 years old. And, and so this is one to ask, and, and again, I ask this in all genuine, how do we do this part well? I don't know. Do we continue to pass the offering plate? Is there something else we do? Again, we want to give our all to God. There's something about, I think for many of us, it would feel a little bit like, if there's not that offering, are we really? And then I think, yeah, but they did it for 1,850 years without that. <laughs> so think about that. Anyway, but that's one of the places right now where we do that, where we offer we, we, we give an offering to God. So during our offering, um, when we make a vow together, there are certain times when we all speak words together, okay? In baptism, when the baby is baptized here or an adult is baptized here, uh, one of the things we do is we ask a parent's question. We ask the whole congregation a question. Do the people of God promise to accept this child? And help nurture and sustain their faith and help them grow. And we ask you to say, we do God helping us. All right? We say, God, we will do this. And, and, and we do that at baptism. We all say words together. We do it at, at communion, not saying words out loud necessarily. But when we take communion, I'm saying by my actions, I belong to Jesus and I'm a part of this family. Right? I, I, I say something by what, and I make a commitment. It's, it's God's gift to me. We're going to talk about God speaking to us through communion in a couple of weeks and through baptism, how God is primarily speaking to us. But in each of those situations, we're also saying, God, and we give our lives to you. When we read some scripture at times, sometimes we do that out loud together or certain parts. We did it earlier. We're a creed or confession. We're going to do that in a minute. But, but we say words together. We say, God, I am committed to you. Just like in that Old Testament, you know, God, we will obey you. We will obey you. This is, again, a challenge because it can be really awkward. A lot of us were not raised in churches where we spoke. Somebody else did. And I know, and it can be awkward. And, and we're trying to figure this one out, okay? We really are. And so help us and tell us what's working and what doesn't. But I was thinking about this, and here's, here's, here's where I think... I, I, I don't want us to just say, ah, don't worry about it. You just say ditto. I, I mean, right. Think about a couple who's getting married. Whenever I meet with a couple and we're planning the marriage ceremony, I talk to them about how are you going to say your vows. The vows are the centerpiece of every marriage ceremony. That's why we got everybody together. And, 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 and what they're there for is to listen to you as you make that commitment to each other in God's name. How are you going to say that? I say it's possible for you to just have me say, do you... And I read the vow, and then you say, yes, I do. But I said, I think it's really helpful. Whether you read it, whether you repeat after me, whether you memorize it, I just think it's really good at that moment for you to have the words on your own lips. I think it's really good for you to speak those words on your own. In a sense, one of the reasons we try to do this, even though it's awkward, is it's helpful for us not to just say, yeah, what they said. And again, how to do that without, I, 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 again, all right, trying to figure it out. So please help us, okay? I know it can feel, but, but there's something good about it, right? There's something good about saying, we do God helping us. There's something good about saying, we are God's people. We belong to him. We are not our own. So we, 
we, we make vows together. We do it in song, right? Take my life and let it be. We do it in prayer, as Daniel did earlier, as we're going to do in just a minute. Probably do it maybe some during a sermon. Uh, you know, I was just saying, if, if, if Daniel or I are preaching and you, you know, get the challenge, say, God, okay, I want to do that. Help me to do that. So those, those are at least five of the ways we do that. We offer our lives during our offering, when we make a vow together in song and prayer, during a sermon. We offer our lives to God, okay? And, and we're going to take some time now to do that. Through some songs, through our offering, we're going we're gonna to speak some words. But what I want us to do is to do what Paul called us to do in Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is our true and proper worship. Let's pray together. Father, I want to stop first and just remember how good you are. Father, help us to just remember that that Jesus Christ died, that while we were sinners, Jesus Christ died and forgives us and washes away all of our sins, that you forgive us, that you give us new life, that you send your Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And so, Father, we praise you and we thank you for that. Father, we also say we want to live in your love. We've been foolish and we've tried to live our way. So right now, Father, we give you our lives. We bring our offerings, we bring our words, we bring our songs, we bring our prayers. God, we want We want a full life. We want the joy of serving you. You deserve everything. You've given us everything. And so accept the gift of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.